All right, welcome back to the show just after 10 o'clock and very, very excited to bring in our next guest on uh, Sports 1440 all the way from uh, Coachella Valley kind of area, Arizona area, Grant Fuhr. Grant, good to talk to you. How are you doing, big guy? I'm doing good, Kevin. How about you? Oh, just great. And we're so excited to have you. Uh, so Grant will be our co-host every Tuesday. Uh, it'll be from 9 to 11, our time, um, just to 10 to 11 today because we had uh, the Chief Dale McPhee in. But uh, Grant, just your your thoughts on being a part of this and wanting to be uh, a part to kind of get Edmonton Radio and All Sports Radio back where it belongs. You know what? Sports talk radio goes back to when I was a little kid in Edmonton. So, I mean, I remember listening to John Short yeah. as a kid and then all through the time I played and such. So the fact that I can be a part of that, I think it's a lot of fun and it gives me ties back to Edmonton again, which is also fun. And you, you've had these ties going back to when you first got here. So how important and what's the importance level for you to have that connection still with, uh, you know, our city and then, you know, everyone out in, in Spruce Grove and things like that? Uh, you know what? Growing up out there, I'm still a fan of the yeah. city. I'm obviously a big fan of Spruce Grove, having been born and raised there. So, no, I've still got a lot of friends in Edmonton. I've got one of my daughters is still there. So I've got lots of ties to the city and I still enjoy being a part of the city. So you're going to co-host with us every Tuesday. We're going to be talking a lot of things. We'll be talking um, hockey. We'll be talking about your the foundation, the Grant Fuhr Foundation, and how you've built that to what it is. Uh, but first, I wanted to kind of discuss a little bit of golf with you because, uh, you know, it's been a passion for years, for, you know, ever since you were a young guy. What drew you to the game of golf and why do you like playing it and what drew you to it? Uh, you know what? I find golf relaxing. I might be that odd guy mm-hmm. where I actually enjoy being out there for four hours and it's kind of that peace and tranquility. I mean, even if you're playing bad, you can still enjoy the day, which for me was a good correlation to go with hockey. And obviously, hockey. Mm-hmm. It's kind of high stress. Everything's go, go, go. Whereas golf, I found relaxing. So it kind of gave me that get away from the rink kind of space. Can you share the story? And I, I'm not sure the exact year, but I think the reporters asked you in one uh, Stanley Cup, it was the finals or playoffs, and how you went out and ended up playing a, a round or two of golf on game day or in between games. How did that work? And tell that story. Well, I like to get away from the rink in between games in the playoffs. So I used to sneak off to the golf course and <laughs> Slots was nice enough to let me sneak off to the golf course with a couple of the guys. And I, where were we playing? We're playing, oh, we're playing Philadelphia. So okay. before game seven, I had everybody knows how stressed that can be around the rink. So we went off to the golf course and I managed to sneak in a few holes. <laughs> Um, what, so, what nice was and fresh for game seven. Yeah, nice and fresh. I think the line someone said, "Did you, did you play thirty six holes? And why did you just play? Why did you play thirty six? And what was your answer again?" I couldn't play anymore. It got dark. Yeah, didn't have time to play fifty four. So, um, when you play golf in Edmonton, what are some of the courses that you like playing? And anytime you get back here, what do you enjoy there? You know what? I enjoy a lot of the courses around Edmonton. Obviously, I'm still a big fan of Wolf Creek. Mm -hmm. I'm still a member at Mayfair. Uh, I love the Country Club. Windermere's a great golf course. Uh, The Northern Bears a great golf course. So there's so many good tracks around Edmonton. So when I do get a chance to get back, there's lots of good options. 
And you, for a time there, you were coming back a lot because there seemed to be another reunion every second week for you guys for certain teams and certain players going up and uh, the, the, the banners raised and things like that. So um, who do you play with when you come back here that maybe some of our listeners might know that you were able to kind of hook up with again that you didn't have the opportunity over the course of the year to kind of play with? A lot of guys I play with are guys I grew up with. Yeah. I, my best friend, Barry Rimmer, still lives in the city. So when I get back, I try and get out with him. And my accountant's been there. I think he's been my accountant since I was young and foolish. So, <laughs> Well, that's, that's those are the guys you grew up with, right? That's exactly who you want to play with, for sure. Yeah. I mean, that's the fun part is when I come home is I get to see some old friends and they're still there. So we try and get out, play a little bit of golf and get a chance to catch up. Hockey Hall of Famer Grant Fuhrer is our guest here on the Kevin Carey Show on Sports 1440. Grant will be co-hosting with us uh, every Tuesday from uh, 9 to 11, so we'll be looking forward to that starting next Tuesday, and Grant will be giving his uh, opinions and stories and things about golf life, uh, his foundation, and, and of course, uh, hockey. So before we get off golf, so you just had uh, um, another charity tournament how did that charity tournament go where was it and kind of describe where the funds and the money raised goes to so my wife and i created a foundation which just happens to be the grant fear foundation obviously she's the brains behind it i'm just a pretty <laughs> face so but no we wanted to do something to give back to the local community here and of course golf being as big as it is down here in the desert we figured a golf tournament would be a great idea and We've done it in a while. We started it right as COVID hit. So that bad timing there. But at the same time, we've managed to get three years under our belt now and raised over a quarter of a million dollars. And we decided that we were going to give that money to the children's program at the Betty Ford Center. Mm -hmm. I mean, I've always been a big advocate of children's programs, and there's no better need for that, especially right now coming out of a pandemic. So how has the tournament been received as you've grown it over the past couple of years you mentioned covid tough times for sure but how has it been received by the people down there uh, you know what it's been fabulous like we've had a lot of people come down from edmonton from calgary from red deer we had some groups come in from vancouver last year and then we've got a lot of the locals that support it so it's it's been really well received and we're looking forward to year four this year uh, yeah, I know a couple guys from Red Deer, T-Bone, Terry Neath. Uh, I think Al Sims went down there. I'm not sure if a couple other guys went with them too, but um, they they raved about it, said it was one of the best weekends they had and stuff like that. So who are some of the, I guess, celebrities, the draws that people come to see and to kind of hang out with? No, well, over the years, we've been pretty lucky. We've had Marcus Allen. It's been a regular. Uh, last year, we had Bo Jackson come down. Uh, Larry Walker comes down. Uh, Johnny Damon's been here for the tournament. Jim McMahon comes over for it. So we've got a good cast of misfits. Um, Jim McMahon, you, you've done a lot of things with Jim McMahon over the years. Uh, what's that relationship with uh, the former Chicago Bears quarterback been like for you? Uh, you know, it's been awesome. I mean, Mac and I go back oh, 35 plus years now. So oh. apparently we're getting older. We try not to admit that. But no, he was the best man at my wedding. Wow. So we, we spent a lot of time traveling together, hanging out together. And we look forward to catching up with each other when we do hang out. I don't imagine any stories fly when you guys are sitting around the dinner table having a glass or whatever, huh? 
There's a lot of laughs there had. How's that? <laughs> yeah, there would be for sure. Grant Fear is our guest, and he's actually our co-host on Tuesdays on uh, the Kevin Carey Show here on Sports 1440. You can text us. If you've got some question that you'd like uh, to relay to Grant, one 401 Our email's kevin at sports1440.ca. Uh, when you got... I think I phoned you about a week and a half ago, Grant, and you were saying that you golfed um, and it was 41 or 42 in the morning before you got off the course. How do you handle that? Uh, you know what? Living down here, you get used to it. Yeah. And the only thing that gets bad down here is when we happen to get a little humidity to go with it. So I'm still old school. I still go by Fahrenheit. So it, it's never too hot. How's that? Mm-hmm. I mean, I've played golf down here when it's been 122, 123, which give or take 50. So it's not bad. <laughs> Just a little toasty. Holy cow. Uh, we golfed together, I believe it was three, four years ago at the, uh, it was the, uh, kind of a media day sort of slash for the uh, uh, Alberta Open uh, for uh, uh, the ATB Financial um, Open. And we went and I can't remember what course we were at, but we go, it might've been the Glendale, I think. We golfed together and, uh, but you were playing in that tournament as a as a special guest exemption do you remember that one and uh, kind of how you did and how it was like uh, what was what, what it was like uh where did we play i think, I think we played it was, windermere. Glen- was it windermere or is it windermere or glendale one of the two i played a couple of years yeah. so it's either windermere or glendale right. yeah but if it was raining it was windermere how's that <laughs> what what so when you go in those those competitive tournaments i mean did the juices get flowing for you how, how i mean what do you look for and what are you trying to accomplish when you go in those ones uh, you know what? It's just fun to compete. I mean, obviously, you're going in way behind the guys that are playing. I've got some good friends that have played the Canadian Tour. They're playing either Corn Fair or your PGA Tour now. So it, they're, they're guys that do it for a living. They put the practice time in and such, like we used to do playing hockey. Mm-hmm. So you know going in that you're behind the eight ball, but it's also fun to go compete. And if I beat a quarter of the field, for me, that's successful. Much as you'd like to be better, if you're not putting in seven, eight hours a day, that better kind of disappears really quickly. What would be you? What would you say your strengths of your golf game would be, or your weaknesses? What What do you work on a little more if you can, if you have time? But what comes naturally to you? Um, decent driver of the golf ball. The irons are pretty good. Short game needs a little spit and polish. I think that's the biggest thing. Is you see the guys that are playing competitive golf? They're really good from ten feet and in. And that's the big thing. You got to have you have to make all those putts, but at the same time, you've got to be able to chip the ball when you do miss greens. And they're a lot better than I am at that. <laughs> uh, texter coming in, Grant uh, has one for you. How did Grant first hook up with McMahon? You sort of answered it, but can you kind of just address how that relationship started again and kind of where it is today? Yeah, Jimmy and I used to play a lot of celebrity events together. They used to have a thing called the Celebrity Players Tour where we would play 15 events around the country, well, basically around the United States. And Jimmy and I just kind of got paired up once and got along and became friends a while ago and have stayed friends over the years. And it just kind of has continued, which has been a lot of fun. Uh, so you guys play a lot of golf together too? Uh, we've played a fair amount of golf together. We've traveled together. So it's it's always entertaining. Do you have a little game going with them when you play them? Uh, sometimes we do. I mean, if whether you're playing for a dollar or two, it's always good to be competitive. <laughs> dollar or two, yeah, for sure. Um, 
You had, uh, when was your shoulder surgery? Because that took a time off from your game. So when did you have that? And how did you have to rehab to get back so you could kind of play again? Uh, when did I replace the shoulder? I think I replaced the shoulder going on six years ago now. Okay. So I, and I've replaced both knees. The, the knees were easy. I didn't, those weren't a problem. I think I played golf five weeks after replacing the knee, each knee. So that wasn't too bad. The shoulder took about 10 weeks. And it was 10 weeks of not very much fun where you rehab it five, six days a week. And it was a little more painful. Doc said it was going to be painful, but I didn't believe him at first. And there's a little bit of bite in it in the rehab side of it. Was there, uh, what were the problems with rehab? Like how, how tough was that? Because again, and as you say, it's one of those, it's, the knee's different, the shoulder's different, tougher. So what was that rehab like for you? Uh, you know what? The knees, they want you up on it right away. Yeah. So you're walking on the knees and everything the same day. The shoulder, it, you're not doing anything with it for the first three to four weeks. And then you slowly have to build the strength up because you've got no strength in it. So you've got to build the mobility back in it. You've got to build the strength back in it. And the rehab, they're going to move it into places where it hasn't been in years. So it's really not that happy with you when they do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, Grant Fuhrer is guesting with us stateside. He's going to be uh, our co-host every Tuesdays on uh, the Kevin Carey Show on Sports 1440. Um, coming up at 11, we've got football fantasy frenzy with uh, Connor Halley and the Duke, Brandon Douglas. Uh, that'll go for an hour. And then 12 o'clock to 2 is the lowdown with low tide. And looking forward to hear what LT has to say. And then again, Jason Greger. We'll round out our uh, sports lineup on day one, our launch here on Sports 1440 with the Jason Greger Show 2 to 6. Um, when you, uh, your golf game, Grant, um, would you say that it had evolved over the time that you were younger to, to where it is now? Or did it, have you had to work at it more? Or did it come naturally to you when you were a younger, a younger man? Uh, it was a little more natural when I was younger. And obviously we've had to evolve as the body's, spitting out different parts. So <laughs> yeah. when I did the first knee, you have to change things a little bit. I did the second knee, it took a little more adjustments. The shoulder was probably the biggest adjustment where when it was bad, it would only go in one spot. Mm-hmm. So there wasn't much to it. Whereas now it goes all over the place again. So that took a little bit of an adjustment and a lot of it was trust. I mean, you're used to having things hurt when you go to swing and all of a sudden it doesn't hurt and you're not really sure because you're still waiting for that little pinch. <laughs> for sure. Um, we're going to talk a little bit of hockey. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about your role with Coachella Valley, uh, which is a new thing for you. And that's been the color analyst uh, last year. And we're going to address a little bit more of that and a little ice stuff when we come back. Uh, so Grant, stick with us here. That's uh, Grant Fear from uh, down in... Are you in Coachella Valley? Where exactly are you? Where's your place? I'm in Palm Desert, Palm Desert, which is one of the cities in Coachella Valley. Okay, so all encompassing. So perfect. So we'll have much more with Grant Fear on the Kevin Carius Show on Sports 1440 right after the break. All right, welcome back to the big program. Kevin Carius along with Grant Fear in... Coachella Valley, and Grant will be uh, co-hosting with us every Tuesday right here on Sports 1440. Uh, we've got a couple of texts coming in, and we're going to get break to hockey now, Grant, and just kind of get your thoughts on a few Perfect. things. So, Texter writes in, uh, can you ask Mr. Fuhr his thoughts on Stuart Skinner? This comes in from Lance. So, what uh, what was your take on Stuart last year, Grant, and where do you see him moving forward? I thought Stuart was phenomenal last year. I mean, to come in, have a rookie year like that, and 
the fact that, yeah, he had a little bit of a tough playoff, but at the same time, he really didn't play that bad. So I think, he, I think his career is only going to go up. I mean, I think he's going to be get better and better, and he's going to be a star in the league. What do you think he has to work on? Uh, a lot of it's just the mental makeup. It's confidence. He's got all the skills in the world. It's just a matter of playoffs for a little bit different animal than regular season, and it takes time to adjust to that. And a lot of young guys struggle their first playoff, but then you figure it out. It's just a matter of you have to get comfortable with being put in that position and being in that atmosphere. So where do you get that mental makeup? How do you accrue that? How much time does it take? It doesn't, if you could flick a switch, I'm sure you could. Um, so how does that come about in a hockey player, particularly a goalie? A lot of it's learning. I mean, you learn on the fly. I think that's the, that's the hardest part about the position is a lot of the learning is on the fly and you learn in front of 18,000 people where every mistake you make, a little red light pops on. So, I mean, that's kind of the unfortunate part of the position. But at the same time, he's been in the position now. He's played in the playoffs. He's going to be more comfortable going into the playoffs this year. So I expect him to have a really good playoff. And I get lucky enough, I get to talk to him for a couple of minutes in Red Deer earlier this year at the Oilers Flames golf tournament. And he's got his head in the right spot. I mean, I think he's going to have a great year. Do you recall when you were playing that the goalies were not quite as big? <laughs> That's a good way of putting it. Not quite as big. I think I'm about a foot shorter than he is. So, yeah, no, I, a big goalie when I played was 6'2". I mean, I think mm-hmm. Ken Dryden was the first of the really big goalies, and he was 6'4"-ish, where now you've got goalies 6'7", 6'8", so, and they're all bigger. The equipment's bigger. It's just the way the game's evolved. When you look at the goalies in the NHL, Grant, um, is there one or, I mean, let's take away the, the right-handed catching for you. Is there a goalie that you see now that has or had a similar style than you had when you played? Uh, you don't see a lot of stand-up goalies anymore. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was always taught as a kid that you're best on your feet. And you can go down and butterfly and everything else, but you've got better mobility when you're back on your feet. Whereas the last oh, 10, 12 years, they've taught guys to slide around on their knees and I still think even the bigger goalies are better on their feet because they're, they become a bigger target. So you see a guy like Andre Vasilevsky who can do both. I mean, he can stand up. He's also very mobile, and he transitions very well from his knees to his feet. Where did that come from, that going down into the butterfly to kind of take away the low-shot post side? Where did that come from, do you think? Well, I think it's just part of how the game's evolved. I mean, Patrick was probably the first one to do that where he butterflied most of the time. And a lot of it's taken, you take away angles and defensive systems were built around that where they would give you the outside shot. There wasn't as much scrambling around the net. So all you had to do was take away the angle and take away space. And that's where the butterfly came from. You're taking away space and you're taking away percentages. Whereas the game's kind of evolved the last little while, you're starting to see the big goalies having to move more. So they're becoming more agile as they're, which is what the game used to be. Text coming in from Dave from Fort Mac. Glad to hear Grant on the radio. My dad worked at Fear Ford from 1980 to 85. He would always tell stories about him, and he still has the mini goalie stick Grant gave me. So, man, I mean, that was a special time for you guys. The fan interaction is so much different now than what it was for you guys. Could you kind of address that? So what it was like to play in that era to be maybe closer to have that little bit, maybe a tighter relationship with the fans? 
you know what it was is Glenn always told us that you need to be a part of the city. You need to be a part of the fans. And our guys embraced that where we had no issues going out in the town. You had no issues spending time with the fans and having the fans be close to you. And I, you know what? It's it, the young guys that I've played with. You try and explain to them to be a part of the city and mm-hmm. you get a little more leeway for the odd mistake and such. If you are part of the city, I mean, yes, there's some pressure in Edmonton because there's expectations, but at the same time, you should have expectations. So it's really nothing unusual. If you put expectations on yourself, then a fan's expectations should be lower than what yours is. Grant Fear is our co-host on Tuesdays on Sportsnet 1440, the Kevin Carey Show. There's a, a text coming in. Welcome to the Airwaves Sports 1440. Grant Fear is the greatest goalie of all time, in my opinion. This comes from Subi. Uh, who is Grant's favorite goalie and why? Um, I would take Terry Sawchuck or Glenn Hall. <laughs> I mean, Glenn, I've known since I was a little kid, so kind of partial there. But Terry Sawchuk, when I was playing, set the numbers that you tried to get. I mean, I think, what was he, 445 wins, give or take, somewhere in there. And that was always the benchmark. And I, to my, in my opinion, he still was the greatest that ever played. Mm-hmm. Um, what was your relationship like and is still with Glenn Hall? Because he's one of the all-time greats for sure. I don't know, Glenn's such a great man. I mean, as, as a kid, being able to talk to him, see him when I was playing pro, get to talk to him. I try and get a chance to talk to him every couple of years. I mean, obviously, COVID made it a little bit tougher, but it's such a nice man. And to hear his stories is phenomenal. I mean, I think that's the that's the great thing about playing in the air. I did is I get the chance to talk to some of the guys that played before me and listening to some of their stories and such. It just makes the game that much more fun. I was lucky enough to go to a, well, it was a midget under-17 hockey game. His great-grandson was playing uh, in uh, in Stoney, and we went to the game, and I sat with Glenn for about three hours. This is a couple of years ago, and he just wonderful to get his perspective on, on the game, uh, life. Uh, he's so well-versed in so many areas, and he's just, just a great soul. Um, when you were, uh, was he in Calgary when you were there a little bit? Because he was doing some work a little bit with the Flames. Was where, Did you guys cross over there? Uh, he wasn't working for the Flames when I was there, but I would see him when we played Calgary because mm-hmm. he was working for the Flames with Mike Vernon at that time. So I'd get a chance to see him, talk to him. I've got a cousin that lives about a mile away from his farm. Mm-hmm. So I bump into him out there once in a while. So it's, it's just a great man to get a chance to talk to and see. And, and that's old school, right? You think guys like yourself are old school, but this, I guess you could say old, old school. So um, how do you, what's that relationship like to talk to a goalie? Like he's going to, he'll have a record that will never be broken. Like Wayne Gretzky's record could be broken by Alex Ovechkin. But the, the, the consecutive game streak by Glenn Hall, I think it's 509 or 534 total in playoffs, uh, could you imagine? And you played, you were a horse. You played 70s, 75 games. What about him playing all those games back in the day, starting every game, 60 games for, I don't know, five, six years straight? Yeah, and think of it with no mask. Yeah. That's the other thing that people don't realize is there's no mask at that time. So, no, that's a record that will never be broken. One, teams are into load management now. Yeah. Where, again, I still think it comes down to a mentality of whether – you want to play or not. 
I think your body's going to follow regardless. But for Glenn to play, was it five, five oh three, five oh nine, something like that? Like that yeah. And throwing up before games. That's the other <laughs> thing people don't realize is he threw up before every game. So that's that takes a lot of dedication, and it tells you how hard the position can be at sometimes. Uh, this comes in uh, from Scoots as we got Grant Fuhrer our co-host on Tuesday Sports 1440 Kevin Carey show. Glad to hear Grant wishing the bigger goalies of today would stand up more. Uh, this guy, he says he screams at the TV all the time. But again, that's just how the game has evolved. Would you say that? Yeah. I mean, part of it is that they've learned it as a kid because that's just the way they're taught now. And it, when I sneak out in the ice once in a while, I still try and get kids to stand up. I mean, you can always go on your knees but you've got better movement if you can get back to your feet. So I was always taught the center of your balance is when you're standing over top of your feet. So for me, I just found I could move better that way. It, it allowed me to have that chance at the second and third shot. Did you always have um, uh, the good lateral movement, do you think, that created more vision for you to see shots coming in? Um. I had good vision. Yeah. I think that was the biggest thing is I learned to read the game as the years went on, but I've always had good reflexes. So it, it allowed me to make a mistake and be able to recover from it. Grant Fears, our guest here on Sports 1440, Kevin Carey's show, along with the Duke, Brandon Douglas. Uh, Duke, have you got, I'm sure you probably thought about a question for Grant Fears. Have you got one on the top of your head that you want to ask Fearsy? I know you guys have been talking uh, a lot of hockey here uh, since coming back from the break, but just to loop back to, um, since Grant is going to be on with us every Tuesday for a Mm -hmm. couple hours, Grant, do you still take, you mentioned your relationship with Jim McMahon, like do you still uh, take in a lot of other sports from around uh, North American leagues, whether it be the NFL, uh, some CFL action, baseball, whatever the case? Yeah, I still watch a lot of sport. I mean, I still watch a lot of golf. I watch the NFL. I uh, watched a little bit of the Toronto-Hamilton game yesterday. Watched a little bit of the Calgary-Edmonton game yesterday. So, yeah, I still take in my fair share of sports. When you were here and playing, did you go to a lot of then Eskimos games? I did. I was friends with a lot of the Eskimos mm-hmm. back then. So that, that was the fun part of a, the time back in the city is the football team and the hockey team socialized together. <laughs> yes. So, I mean, with, with the Eskimos winning a bunch and with us winning a bunch, it's good to learn from the other sports. Who were some of the guys that you kind of hung around with and kind of cheered each other on on the green and gold? Uh, I spent a lot of time with Joe Holloman, uh, obviously Dan Kepley. Uh, who else? So a little bit of Warren Moon around. Mm-hmm. Um, Singor Mobley. Yeah. I still see a lot of Singor once in a while. So Is he down in that area? Uh, he was down here for a few years, and then he's just moved back over to Seattle. Hmm. I was a real good, came from Dallas Cowboys, was very integral part of the green and gold teams back then when they were running the running the show in the uh, CFL for sure. Uh, Grant I see Damon Allen a little bit too. Who's I still that? see Damon a lot. Excuse me. So, uh, yeah, Damon Allen, was he, he was at your golf tournament this year too, wasn't he? Yeah, Damon comes down. His brother Marcus comes down. Yeah. So we, we have a good group of guys. Well, uh, I think we're going to transition, Grant, to your broadcasting career now. And we like the fact that you're joining us here. So when you were approached last year to be the color analyst for the uh, Coachella Valley uh, Birds, did you, was it a, a quick decision? And what were your thoughts of that process when they offered that job to you? 
Oh, it was funny. I'd always told people that I would never be a media person. <laughs> so I, I enjoy being around the game. I think that's the biggest thing. And it was an opportunity for me to stay around the game and enjoy the game. And it, it allows me to describe the game how I see it, which as a goalie, we see the game a little bit differently than forward sometimes. So I, I have fun with it. It's fun to see the different players that are progressing in their careers. I think that's the biggest change for me is you don't know a whole lot of the kids, but you see guys that will obviously play in the National Hockey League in the next two or three years. And I find that part really interesting. So how did it come about? And were you quick to say yes? Uh, definitely quick to say yes. But no, I happened to be the one hockey guy around the valley down here. So they had asked if I'd be interested in doing something with the hockey club. And my co-host, Gina Lamont, who used to be a news anchor down here for, I don't know, 25 or 30 years, asked if I'd be interested in maybe trying it. And I'm like, well, I guess I could. It's something new. So we thought we'd give it a run, see, and we're back for a year too. So it must have been okay. What are the challenges for you and what comes easier for you and what do you have to work on? Uh, the game's the easy part. Obviously, talking hockey and watching hockey is the easy part. It's because I do pregame show and intermissions on TV and then do color on the radio and the AHL broadcasts. I've got two different sets that I have to run between. So that takes a little bit of figuring out, especially if the building happens to be full. And then just learning the players. I think that's the biggest thing is every time a team comes in, you've got to relearn the players so that you know who you're talking about. Our text line, 1-833-401-1440. If you've got uh, something you'd like to address with Grant Fuhr, who will be our co-host on the Kevin Carey Show, Sports 1440, every Tuesday, uh, 9 o'clock to 11. And we'll obviously have guests coming in on the phone line and things like that uh, over the course of, uh, you know, the 9 to 11 slot starting next week. So they could be friends of Grant's. They could be... You know, and, uh, another goalie and to maybe get Grant's opinion on that and, and uh, moving forward. I think a lot of our listeners are looking forward to that. So um, the Coach Valley squad, uh, it's a farm team for uh, Seattle. Uh, the Kraken made big inroads uh, last year, Grant. So what was it like to see, see that from the parent team and see a lot of the kids that you were talking about and, you know, doing the game, calling the game and see their success kind of helping out Seattle, the big club as well. I think the biggest thing is Seattle had a really nice run last year and because it's only their second year, we didn't have a whole lot of prospects. Mm-hmm. So the ownership group went out and signed a decent group of veterans because they wanted the team to be successful right away and build a culture of winning. And that's the part I found fascinating is that they wanted to build a culture here so that when guys left here, they went to Seattle playing in that same culture and the same, they play a same system, which I find very intriguing is it's a plug and play. I mean, anybody that plays here in Coachella Valley can step up to Seattle and play because it's a very similar system. Hmm. Um, This texter wants to know about the Oilers goaltending coach and that, uh, um, Dustin Schwartz has been at the job for several years now. And just to, do you have a bit of a relationship with Dustin? And can you kind of address the kind of job that he's done over the last few years that he's been there? Uh, you know what? I don't really know Dustin, okay. but I remember him from playing with the Golden Bears. And I think he's done a good job there. I and mean, you look at the goalies that have come through there, they've, they've all had some success. I mean, 
maybe the one downfall there has been patience. But when you have an expectation and teams want to win, sometimes patience is hard to come by. So I think that's that's been the biggest thing that I've noticed is the patient side of things sometimes is tough. But again, that goes with expectations. So if when you were doing some goalie coaching, what's the toughest thing for a goalie coach to do to trans transcend into to get to what the pupil or this case the goalie needs to do how do you relay that message and how do you get him to be better well a lot of it is you'll look at the technique if they're struggling Mm -hmm. i mean when they're playing well you kind of want to leave that alone but at the same time you're a sounding board for them you're part psychologist and you just you try and keep them at an even keel where when they're playing really well you don't want them to get too high and when they're going through a little bit of a struggle. You don't want them to get too low. You try and keep them on an even keel and you want them to be consistent and you don't have to be great, but you need to be good every day. And I think a lot of guys get caught up in why I have to be great because fans say I have to be great. Management says I have to be great, but you don't have to be great every day, but you do have to be good every day. Now, um, when you were doing that job, um, was there a certain aspect where, you would, uh, you know, they always say, okay, well, say Jack Campbell, he came out and he practiced, went to early practice, he stayed later and he worked on details. How easy, like how difficult or how easy is it for a goaltender to kind of lose track of just a minor little fundamental, which could cost him uh, his playing ability in the future? Well, your details go with your confidence. As you start to lose confidence, you obviously creep back closer to the net. And... Mm -hmm. The closer to the net you get, the more space you give up. So I think the biggest thing is that you have to just kind of stay out and keep yourself top of the crease and play with confidence. And if your team looks back at you and you're shrugging your shoulders, your body language isn't good, then they also feed off of that. And I think that's the biggest thing is you want to keep the body language positive all the time. Text coming into one 1440 Hey, Grant, I'm a scout in the Western Hockey League. Very concerned with the state of goaltending in Canada. And I guess the texture's kind of alluding to when you look at, you know, whatever it could be, the Olympics, World Cups, or whatever, World Championships, maybe the goaltending around the world in Russia, Finland, has passed Canada. So he wants to know, what do you attribute this possible failure to? I don't know if I'd call it a failure. It's, things go in cycles. I think that's the biggest thing you have to look at is it goes in cycles. <clears throat> Excuse me. And goaltending in Canada has kind of gone in a cycle. And as the game transitions, the style of goaltending has to transition. It has to keep up and grow with the game. So as the game's become more offensive, a faster game, goalies have had to become more mobile again. And it takes time for goalies to transition into that when you've been taught to butterfly the whole time. This one comes from uh, Brett with one T. Please ask Grant what he thinks of teams going more towards a 1A and 1B approach than a starter who plays 60-plus games. Uh, and does he know why that we've seen a decline in the uh, traditional workhorse starter? Well, I think everybody's worried about burning a goalie out. I think that's the one reason that they've gone to 1A, 1B. And I mean, if you're fortunate enough to have two guys that can play, then I definitely like the 1A, 1B. But if a guy gets hot, you can ride him for 10 or 15 games, and the other guy obviously will have to get in and play a little bit. But uh, they're also into this load management now, mm-hmm. which I don't know if you want to dictate how much time a guy plays. It's more 
he'll dictate it through his mentality, through his work habits, through the way he plays. And it's about reading your goalie to realize where he's at, whether he needs a break or not. Did you ever feel that you were overworked? You always said the more I play, the better I play. Did you ever feel overworked? No, I enjoyed playing. I mean, I think 80, what, 87, 88, I played total with Canada Cup and everything, 103 games. I played 79 the one year in St. Louis. I played 73 the next year on a reconstructed knee. Played 75 in Edmonton the one year. So playing's mentality, it's a, men, it's a mental thing. I think Glenn Hall said the same thing. Uh, you know, back then they would fire whatever, 3,000 pucks at you at practice. And if you could get away from that, he said he was just fine. Yeah, games are easy. Yeah. It's the it's practices and it, your body will follow because you get a little bit of adrenaline. I mean, yeah, you're going to get some bumps and bruises, but once the game starts, you don't feel the bumps and bruises. Mm-hmm. Well, we got one more segment with you, Grant, uh, before we hit the top of the hour, and we're going to talk a little bit about fantasy football. I don't know if you ever go in any drafts or any fantasy sports or anything like that, but our show coming up at 11 is a fantasy frenzy with uh, Connor Halley and Brendan Douglas, our producer here. The Duke, we call him, as we like to call him here, the Duke of Delburn. But we're going to get your thoughts on some uh, off-the-cuff stuff when uh, we come back on the Kevin Carey Show on Sports 1440. All right, welcome back to the big program. Kevin Carries in studio at the Stingray Studios, West Edmonton Mall, along with the Duke behind the board. And I'm just going to go with the Duke now, I think. I don't know if I can do Brandon Douglas anymore, but the Duke behind the board. And, of course, we've got uh, Grant Fear, our co-host on Tuesdays in Coachella Valley. Um, I had a text here, Grant, from an old friend of yours and a friend of ours. And first, I want to thank him for – he did an article uh, on – the startup here, Cam Tate. Uh, he's been around a long time. We've been friends for a long time. Uh, he goes back to the Euler days with uh, Grant and Wayne and wrote a book. And Cam's as nice of a guy as you'll ever meet in your life. Uh, so uh, the, here's the the uh, text from Cam Tate to Grant. Ask Grant if I can be his caddy. Uh, I'm a handicap expert. <laughs> Cam can be my caddy anytime. Yeah. He's, you guys- he's a fun man. I love spending time with him. You guys had a special, or still do, have a special relationship with Cam. Kind of, can you go back to how that kind of fostered back when you guys were getting together in the eighties? Uh, you know what? Our team had a special bond with the city. I think that's the biggest thing is we bonded with the reporters at that time. We bonded with all the media types. I mean, they traveled with us, everything else, and you look at guys like Jim Matheson, Terry Jones, uh, Dick Tube at that time. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's a lot of the guys and the players had a respect for them. They had a respect for us. And it was a mutual like, I mean, if somebody wrote a bad article about you, it's probably because you were playing bad and that's just kind of how it worked out, but they were, they were honest with us. And I think that was the biggest thing is you know, like you either accepted it or you didn't, but honest criticism is never hard to take. It was a different relationship. You would say uh, how it was with, players in any sport back in the day or a few years when you were playing what do you think is that just how society's changed I mean uh, it's very difficult for sports reporters and you know to get close to players because it's just uh, I mean but between phones and and um, you know social media do you, is that where it's gone and do you think that can ever be I'm not saying that there aren't any relationships between reporters and uh, and players but do you think it could ever get back to where it once was well, that's part of how society as a whole has changed. 
I mean, we, we still laugh, <clears throat> excuse me, we still laugh that we played in the best era where no cell phones, no social media. So you spent time with the guys mm-hmm. where now everybody's on their phone. It's not as much as a, of a family as it used to be. It used to be a big family deal where the guys all hung out together. You spent time together and it's gotten away from that. Athletes are a little bit different now. They're all their own single enterprise, whereas we were more of a team first kind of an enterprise where if the team won, everybody benefited from that. And it's kind of gotten away from that a little bit, which is kind of the unfortunate part of sport. Mm-hmm. Do, do you think that can hinder a team's cohesiveness? I think it does a little bit. I mean, if you look at our team here in Coachella Valley last year, we played our first 22 in a row on the road because the building wasn't ready yet. So they got a chance to hang out together, bond together, and it made for a very successful year for a first-year franchise. And I think a lot of it was because they got to spend so much time together. And then when they did come home, they were so used to spending time together, they still did. Mm-hmm. And made the families closer, made the teammates closer, and it got to a point where they played for each other. Is that one of the reasons why, I guess, the, the Oilers' teams of the 80s were considered as close as anyone could get? Oh, most definitely. I mean, it's, it's a culture. And I think that's the biggest thing is it – one, it breeds winning. Two, you, you're not playing for your coach. You're playing for the guy sitting beside you. And I think that's the biggest thing that good franchises that win a lot have is that you don't want to be that guy that lets the guy next to you down. And it's all about building that culture. Our text line is uh, 1-833-401-1440. This one comes in. Uh, Ricky and the donut, uh, two questions for Grant, if I may. Uh, was it difficult uh, getting privacy in a hockey-mad city like Edmonton? Uh, you can address that one first, Grant, because it's kind of what we've been talking about, and then I'll get to the second half of the question. Well, we, we could hide in plain sight. I mean, I think that was the best part of being in Edmonton is because we were part of the community, and people saw us out all the time. You could actually go out, and people were very respectful of it because they could see you all the time. Whereas if they only see you once in a while, they only see you on the ice. Sometimes they have a tendency to want to get closer, closer all the time. Mm -hmm. Whereas when you're part of the community, part of the fold, they were, for us, they were very respectful. Uh, Second part to uh, Ricky and the donuts uh, question. Uh, uh, Stay in the net or play the puck. What's your preference? Oh, I like to see a guy play the puck because you make it easier on your defenseman. I mean, we had a gentleman here that played for us this year, Joey Decord, mm-hmm. could be one of the best puck handling goalies I've ever seen. And it makes it so much easier on the defenseman if your goalie can handle the puck because you're not getting runs through the glass all the time. They go out, they handle the puck. If they're a good passer of the puck, it makes that breakout so much easier and it takes the pressure off of your defense. How much did you work on your puck handling skills or did a lot come naturally to you? No, I had actually had to work at it. I would suck when it, the best way of putting it is I sucked when I first started with it. But as the years went on, you learn of where you got to get pucks to and how you get them there. And I got better and better as time went on because you had to. Mm-hmm. Uh, here's a text coming in. Just great to hear Sports Talk Radio again. Looking forward to hearing Grant's take on the Oilers when they get going. I do think players of yesterday were more involved in the Edmonton community in all aspects, both hockey and football. Uh I agree to an extent. I think a lot of the players, too, nowadays really get immersed in the community. Uh, How have you seen that kind of play out from when you played to where it is now? Fortunately, I've played in a lot of organizations where they want you to be part of the community. 
I mean, I know down here in Coachella that we get, we get the players out in the community so that the community buys into the team. And I think that's part of the big sell of the team is you want the players to be part of the community so that it all feels like one big family. And that's what it was in the 80s is we get out in the city, the Eskimos were out in the city, and you literally could go anywhere in the city and you'd see one of the guys out. So it, it's, I think it's part of the culture of winning is you want to be a part of your community. So for Coachella Valley, the uh, T-Birds, um, when does the season kind of start up as far as what you have to do and prepare and what kind of gets going here in the next, oh, month or so for you? Uh, for me, I'll watch a little bit of Seattle's training camp and try and get an idea of who they're going to send our way. And I think our first exhibition game here at home is October 6th. So I'll probably take a little holiday before that gets going and get ready for the hockey season. And I think we've got exhibition here the 6th, the 8th, yeah. and then our home opener is October 13th. Do you, do you have, uh, is there a couple players uh, off Coachella Valley that you think will be able to make that transition and have an impact with uh, Seattle's roster this year? Unfortunately, I think we're going to lose a couple of our rookies from last year. Okay. I, Ty Cartier went up and played the latter part of the season. He was rookie of the year in the American League last year as an undrafted rookie. And then went up and played the final couple of weeks in Seattle and stayed for the full playoff. So I think he's going to end up playing in Seattle this year. And then we had a young defenseman, another rookie, Riker Evans, who was extremely good last year. And I think they're going to give him a long look as well. And then our goaltender, Joey Decord, will probably get a very good look in Seattle as well. What impressed you about Decord's game this last year? Uh, the way he carried himself. I mean, one, he's a great goaltender. He's a phenomenal puck handler, but he also carried himself extremely well. And you could tell the guys had a lot of confidence in him because he had a lot of confidence in himself and he exuded that confidence and the guys could read off of that. All right. Well, coming up at the top of the hour is our fantasy frenzy first ever edition. And that'll be with Connor Halley and the Duke. Connor Douglas, so they'll be co-hosting that. So do you get into any fantasy? Have you done any fantasy grant? Have you done anything like that in the past, whether it be NFL or even hockey? Uh, years ago when I played, we'd do a little bit of fantasy yeah. football, but I'm still a Packer fan. I've been a Packer fan forever, so it'll be interesting to see where they go this year. I'm also a fan of Aaron Rodgers. I've got to know Aaron a little bit, and it'll be fun to see how he makes out in New York this year. Um, what do you do the Packers? Uh, well, Red Batty used to be mm-hmm. come to our training camps. So Red's been their equipment guy for, I forget what, but didn't, I think this year might be year 48 or 49. So he's been there forever. And he used to come help us out in training camp, and we became friends over the years. And I just became a Packer fan that way. And you're right. Red has done a lot for community uh, charities in Edmonton. Like uh, people don't realize this, but even say, for instance, I think the last one that I can remember was at Craig Simpson's golf tournament, uh, Red Batty, who again comes to the city because he, he likes it here and he is good friends with Barry Stafford. He's good friends with Sparky Kolchinski. He's good friends with Dwayne Mandrusiak. And that kind of got them all involved to kind of do things for each other. But Red Batty would put together a package that would be auctioned off for instance, at Craig Simpson's golf tournament, another great cause, and Simmer's been doing that for 35 years, where people could bid on the fact of going to a game day experience and doing that in Green Bay with the Packers on the sidelines. So uh, I'm sure, have you ever had that uh, experience uh, in Green Bay, Grant? 
I managed to get to do it once. And I had some friends that went down last year and got that experience. He bought it at a golf tournament, actually up in Edmonton and Mm -hmm. went down and went through the experience where you get to go through the dressing room. You get to hang out, spend a little bit of time with the guys. You get to watch the game on the sidelines and it's an impressive experience. And Lambeau field is one of a kind. Well, uh, the Duke is going to tell you about our little football draft or his little football draft with Connor. So he's going to explain what you got to do. You got to get in, enrolled in this. It's going to be quite simple. So what does Grant got to do to win this draft? Grant, if you're not familiar with the survivor pool format, uh, basically just pick one winning team each week. Once you pick them, you cannot pick them again. So they're kind of uh, out of the running. And it's just going to come down to, to, as the name implies, last man standing. Whoever can pick uh, a winning team most weeks in a row without doubling up uh, might come away with a little prize package that Connor and I are working on getting secured. So um, just to, to you and everybody else, uh, make sure to find that link on our Twitter page at Fantasy Frenzy AM. And, uh, and Connor and I are going to be talking about that a little bit more here coming up in uh, the first break of our show, just after 11 o'clock. I look forward to that. I, that one should be fun. Yeah, for sure. Well, Grant, thanks so much for doing this today and, and coming on as a co-host every Tuesday. We look forward to it every Tuesday, and we're going to line up some great guests moving forward that we can kind of play off each other and, and move forward. And I'm really looking forward to spending a, a couple hours with you every Tuesday morning. So thanks for this big guy and being a part of our launch. I'm looking forward to it, Kevin, and thanks for thinking of me. All right, that's uh, Hockey Hall of Famer Grant Fear. Uh, this has been, uh, you know, an unreal experience for me today to kind of get the launch for a new era, as we talked about off the top in uh, – sports broadcasting and uh, sports radio in Edmonton and area. And we have nothing but uh, good things coming ahead. Uh, we're going to have uh, uh, Connor and, uh, and Brandon doing the Fantasy Frenzy show at 11 at 12 o'clock. will be the lowdown with low tide. And then at uh, 2 o'clock, Jason Greger will wrap things up with the Jason Greger show at uh, at uh, 2 o'clock from 2 to 6. So uh, that's going to be it for today. And we're going to wrap things up with uh, one more sports update. But here is the Duke. And everyone, thanks so much for all your texts. Thanks for listening. Thanks for being a part of our launch. Look forward to seeing you tomorrow at 7 in the morning. Here's the Duke with the sports update.